Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <clears throat> okay, here we go. They say great things come in threes. Great stuff. It's a great days we're living, bro. That's just f***ing Unfortunately, not in this case. What is this? But maybe, someday it will be. Can you believe that? Okay, world, hold on to your collective It's time for the Bam Slam Podcast. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! With Ben Fletcher, Allison Ratzlaff, and Mike Costa. Bam Slam fam, what up? This is episode five. Remember, I tried to do episode five last time, but I destroyed it on accident. Uh, this is a very special edition of this because I will not be co-hosting with my normal people, as in Mike Costa and Allison Ratzlaff, but Dave Velasquez will be by in just a second. But for these first little five minutes, I decided to call Mike Costa and say what up while he's on his vacation and interrupt his vacation. Lewis, how are you? I am uh, I am good, and I am uh, just getting back home from uh, beautiful Deer Valley, Utah, where the uh, the snow was awesome, and we had a, uh, a very fun time hitting the slopes. We road tripped uh, road tripped at this time, so we uh, drove out early, early, early in the morning on uh, Friday, and we got back late, 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 late last night. So it was awesome. It was awesome to. Uh, Hit the slopes, spend some time with the kiddos. So no complaints, Ben. How are you? I'm great, man. How are the knees? Are they held up? No ACLs or anything? No, I'm good. I'm really good. Uh, you know, thank God they have slopes that say like Candy Carrot Lane or Bunny Hop or or Grass Grasshopper Slide. So those are the ones that I uh, those are the ones that I tend to stay on. I can't bomb the the top of the hill like I used to, and it it really frustrates me because my son, who's been skiing since he was probably walking um spends the whole day at the top of the mountain on the back side of the mountain and uh it frustrates me that i can't do it anymore but at least he can so i'm living vicariously through him yeah so a couple of the things you've missed while you're on vacation first of all chris paddock pitched a spring training game he looked pretty good if we're talking padres tatis hit a grand slam in a spring training game so slam diego made its way to peoria and prob- probably the biggest thing you missed is the aztecs are freaking mountain west champs again I know it's uh, it's really getting to be old hat with this Aztecs team, Mountain West Conference regular season champs again. No, it was um, it was really neat to uh, to follow along on on social media and so happy you know for the those guys and especially those seniors like Matt Mitchell and and Jordan Shackle and those guys who and I think it was Jordan Shackle said after the game. You know, you you want to you help build this culture, and and now it's a matter of the older guys passing it along to the young guys, um, and and people like uh, Trey Pulliam being able to pass it along to the uh, the young kids who are up and coming, and and kind of letting them know this is what championship basketball is all about. It's it's awesome. It doesn't matter how many times they do it. And you can really see, like we've kind of gotten to watch Jordan and Matt grow up in this program, and you can see Dutcher's influence all over them as they've become these incredible basketball players. Because if you think about it, Matt Mitchell, not really mincing words here, he was a chubby freshman and a chubby sophomore, and now he's freaking Thor, and he's probably going to be the Mountain West Player of the Year. And then when you think about Jordan, all he could do was shoot threes, and now he's probably the best player on this team. So it's yeah, been pretty cool it, watching these kids grow up and. It, it's the best, Ben. I'm telling you, and you know, I'm not sure what what Jordan's plans are. I'm sure some some former professional basketball. We absolutely know Matt Mitchell um, has the 
NBA uh, is, you know, lined up as the next thing he wants to do. Stands a very good chance to uh, eventually end up with a, an NBA team. So it's crazy. Yeah, they, they come here as geeky little freshmen, and then they leave not only as, as great people, great men, um, but also just awesome basketball players. And, and that's it's because of Coach Stutcher and, and guys like Dave Velasquez, who, you know, been here for so long and have really, really uh, raised the bar as far as Aztec basketball is concerned. All right, well, I'm going to chat with Dave Solo here in just a second, but uh, what's your crazy story from your little vacation? Did you get wicked wasted in the snow? No, I didn't, but I found a – there's a distillery in Park City called uh, High West, and um, a buddy of mine who lives around the corner who is from Utah, who is always back there, um, always comes home with a bottle of it. And so when I saw, you know, actually where the distillery was, we went in, and I bought uh, a bottle of their tri-blend. It's called Campfire. I haven't opened it yet, but we went to dinner on Tuesday night to a steakhouse, and I ordered a um, a glass of Campfire on the rocks. And Ben, the woman at the distillery told me, if you like Campfires, you're going to like Campfire. I said, well, what does that mean? She goes, because it, it, it tastes like you've been sitting around the Campfire and you've been chewing on a Campfire. I swear to God, this is so good and so smooth and so smoky. So that's my great ski story. A great tri-blend whiskey that I brought home from Utah. Well, I hope you have a, a glass in that thing for your, your podcast co-host. I do, for both of you, actually. Yes. All right, Lewis, thank you so much. Um, now get out of here while I go interview the cool person. All right, you do the big stuff. You do the big boy stuff. Talk to you soon, Ben. All right, love you, man. Bye. All right, and with that, we'll bring on uh, assistant coach Dave Velasquez. What is this now, 18 seasons at San Diego State? This is your eighth as an assistant coach. Uh, You don't even look like you're 26, so I don't know how the hell you've been there for almost 20 years. What's going on, Dave? How are you? I am doing great. I am doing great. I am so proud of our team and proud of our administration, our university. So much went into this year, and to be league champions as we are today, Moving forward towards the conference tournament, I, I couldn't be more excited and proud. Just, ha- just, just happy to be back in San Diego. Yeah. What time did you guys get in last night? We got in about 3 a.m., and oh. uh, we had a little surprise for the guys. And uh, we brought them into the Jam Center right when we got, our, uh, we got back to campus. And we walked into the Jam Center, and they had their championship shirts, a new pair of Air Jordan 3s that haven't came out yet. And then we cut down the nets as a group. From about three to three in the three thirty in the morning, which was really really cool. Oh, that's awesome! I mean, that's got to be the equivalent of like popping some champagne, but these guys aren't old enough to drink. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, cutting down nets is such a, a, a really is a lifetime memory. You know, obviously, we wish we could have done it. You know, in Viejas, in front of our unbelievable crowd of twelve thousand, like we've done in the past. But to do it last night was still special. Wasn't the first time we've done it. Uh, I think it was back in 2013, kind of same situation. I think we won a game at TCU and then came back that night and uh, found a way to cut down uh, Nets and Viejas at about 2 in the morning that game. Yeah, well, it was a really incredible season. And do I do I have that right? Is this your 19th or 18th season at San Diego State? Yeah, ni- 19th season. So I'm going to try to make it another 19 more. Holy hell, Very man. Blessed. <laughs> Very blessed to be here 19 years and surrounding myself with Incredible mentors, coaches, uh, professors, everybody, you know, everybody within the athletic department, but most important is just incredible, incredible athletes, student athletes, and 
awesome basketball players. I mean, everyone always asks me kind of, how do you guys keep doing it? You know, this is unbelievable. Your run is crazy over there. And to me, it's, you know, everything has to match in terms of resources and the adults in the room that are making decisions. But most importantly, you got to have really good basketball players who are really good people. You know, we've seen all the time that we've, you know, we've seen teams with talent not win as much as teams like like ours. And part of that's because our character on our team and their love for basketball is usually a little higher than most teams. And that's something that we've been blessed to have throughout the years. And it's a culture that the former players started and it's continuing through the current guys we have right now. Yeah, and it absolutely shows through on the play on the court. Uh, if we can, let's start at the beginning of this season. Obviously, Dutch has said it a bunch of times. I've heard you say it. A season unlike any other doesn't even come close to describe this. Uh, starting out your first couple of weeks of practice, were they on Zoom calls? Because, I mean, that was at the height of the pandemic. Yeah, you know, we, we actually made a conscious effort to not do any kind of Zoom basketball meetings. You know, the Zoom calls we had were keeping our guys up to date on what we know, you know, when could we possibly come to back to campus, and two, just really checking on them, making sure that they're okay, making sure that they're finding ways to get outside, get some workouts in, making sure that they understand that, you know, everything right now is completely out of not just their control, but really the, the coach's control. And we're at the mercy of a lot of other people and things going on around us, and we need to be patient. And so our first, you know, real meetings with the guys was actually in person on the football practice field. They all had to be, you know, it's not even close to six feet. It was about 15 feet away from each other. We couldn't get anywhere near them. And uh, they had masks on, and it was about, I want to say, this is probably early September so I'm guessing it's probably 90-something degrees out there having to, you know, really put in their time and put in their work. And, you know, everybody had a great attitude every day they showed up. I mean, it was it was an awesome beginning that you can kind of close your eyes and say, wow, this might be another special group. Just because you can tell by how they responded to all these different type of adversities around them right at the beginning of what we were doing. Well, yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, the entire country, the entire world's mental health was not doing too hot during that time. So was that big for you guys, making sure you were checking in on how they were as people, how they were up in their head? Right now, still, yeah. with everything they got going on and, and not really be able to see a lot of their friends and not, you know, play all these games without anyone in the stands that's supporting them. And, and at times it can get frustrating for our players. And I think, again, they're incredibly grateful and fortunate that we continue to play. But, you you know, again, we're, we're talking about 18 to 22-year-olds, and I always tell people, do you remember your 18 to 22? You know, do you remember what your thought process was? And so, to me, I'm not mad at our guys for a little bit of a thought process of frustration that we can't play in front of one fan, but you turn on the TV and you have other teams playing in front of 8,000 people now, I think in, in, in some schools in the SEC. I mean, it's just wild. It's you know, kind of has, you know, taken on a life of its own in terms of who has fans, who doesn't. But with that being said, you know, the chance to play in front of incredible support out in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks when we hopefully make the NCAA tournament, which we, you know, most likely will at this point, and they'll get to play in front of all their family and friends. And I believe, I think we have 350 tickets a team that uh, we'll be able to spread out through our team that we can have our family and friends in attendance. That's so awesome. I can't wait to see what that atmosphere would be like. I'm trying to pull every string I have to be able to go. Maybe stay with Dick Hardwick. He's out there now. Uh, but 
<laughs> when you talk about finally getting guys back in the gym near the beginning, what was it? Four guys, one coach? Is that what was happening? I wish. I wish. No, our first two weeks were were four guys at a basket, one coach at a basket, one ball, which sounds fine, okay, but we couldn't touch a ball. So the guys had to shoot. So the shooters like Jordan Shackle would have to shoot their threes, go rebound for themselves like they're in their own driveway, and then go back out and shoot another three. It was about, you know, you're getting up up about one-tenth the amount of shots as you would in a normal workout. But, again, just to be back in the gym, I'll never forget that feeling of that first day of being able to go back into the jam center, the practice facility, which is really for us, it's kind of like the holy grail of our program in terms of, you know, development, you know, building chemistry, you know, guys getting a way to escape from everything around them. They get to go to the jam center, get shots up on their own with their friends, whatever they want to do. It's kind of their sanctuary. And we are just, you know, we are just so grateful. Even though we couldn't touch a ball, even though it does, did get frustrated as a coach to say, well, we got to do this and we got to do that. I really want to, you know, we really want to work with a guy like Keyshawn Johnson. We haven't been able to put our hands on him in terms of his development since basically the first week of last March. You know, we're, we're six months behind here. And unfortunately, we couldn't. However, our guys handled what they needed to handle. So that was step one. Step two was, okay, now we can rebound. Step three was, okay, now we'll have two guys at a basket. And then went to three guys, four guys. And as it kept going on, time really started to fly. And then by, I believe, the third week of October was the first time we actually had contact with another player. And so from that point on, we've been rolling ever since. God, it seems impossible that I've now watched you guys play as many games as I have, considering how that started. Uh, Coach, I got the same question for you a couple different ways. The dynamic between you and Dutcher, obviously you guys have been side-by-side for a really long time now. What is your dynamic as people in the real world, not necessarily as coaches? Like, are you guys buddy-buddy? Are you best friends? What's going on there? Well, that's Uncle Dutch. So, no, it's 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 as much family as you could ever have in a working relationship, and you know, his family is my family. You know, this morning, um, it's funny, uh, Coach Dutcher's wife, Jan, and uh, his daughter, Erin, were over at the house to help my wife uh, figure something else out uh, decorating-wise. And, again, it's it's as close of a relationship that you can have with someone who you work with that's not blood. And, uh, again, Coach Dutcher, and I think everyone knows by now, he is truly the salt of the earth. He's one of the best humans, let alone coach. You just talk about who he is as a person off the floor. He's one of the nicest, most generous people that I've ever been around, and I'm lucky to call him Uncle Dutch because he's, to me, that's that's someone that I consider family. You know, he's been a very close person in my life and our family's life since I got to San Diego State, and my mom makes this joke all the time, and it's it's a serious thing. Just in my been a basketball guy my whole life, I've actually spent more Thanksgiving with the Dutcher family than I have with my own family which is just a wild thing to even say, but I've actually spent more Thanksgiving at Coach Dutcher's house than I have my own, which is, you know, I'm fortunate. I'm lucky to say that and blessed to say that. Well, that's hilarious, first of all. And does, does Dutch, <laughs> does he ever, like, let his hair down? Is he a golfer? What does he do for fun? We only ever see kind of grim-faced, either yelling on the sideline, but what, what is, what's Dutch like when he's not worrying about basketball? He is listening to music and trying to find whatever concert is is in town. He's trying to find a way to go. Really? He loves his music, and he goes to every concert of any genre uh, to enjoy live music, and he's been that way for a long time. And It was part of the reasons why we first started hanging out, even when I was a student, was we'd go to concerts together. 
and have a good time. And, you know, he's, uh, yeah, he's, and again, he, he finds ways to have a good time. And his work-life balance is incredible. So he's not, he's not a guy that's just overstressed. I think that's about 24, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's just not who he is. What's his golf so game like? I know, I know you play it, golf a lot. What's his? <laughs> yeah. His used to be good. I don't know if you remember, Coach Fisher's last season, uh, Coach Dutcher blew out his back pretty bad. He couldn't even get off the bench uh, at our Boise State game we played there. I don't know how, what year that was, but about six years ago. And he's never been able to swing a golf club since. Oh, my God, so the he, torture. He, yeah, yeah, so he's, he's had to put it down. But uh, he, he definitely comes out. He, we still do some charity. We were doing some charity routes, obviously, before last year. But and he comes out, and he's still, you know, he's still the jokester. He's still the comedian that he is. And he's out there. And, again, as, as long as there's, there's music playing, that's just going to have a smile on his face. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so that's your dynamic as kind of people. What is your dynamic as coaches? How do the guys see you? You know, I asked Matt this in postgame yesterday. And he said, Dutch is always the supportive one, you know, always telling me to go take a shot. And he said, you're the persuasive one. What does that mean? <laughs> I, I think I think Matt was trying to be a little too nice. Um, what that really means is Coach Dutcher is the, the supporter, overly positive, completely builds confidence. And I'm the one that either wants to bring it back to reality or lets you know what's right and wrong very quickly. With good a cop, bad cop. Overreaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah cop, totally good cop, cop, bad cop. Yeah. Is that by design, or did that just kind of end no. up happening? No, that's just who we are as people. That's who we are as coaches. I mean, I, you know, again, we're just different. You know, I, I think that's what makes our relationship so great is we really don't see things the same on, on, on even, uh, you know, kind of opinions off the floor in terms of how we see things and how things, you know, let's say, you know, the scheduling in the conference or, or scheduling, you know, we're not always going to agree. Uh, I think that's part of what makes our relationship so great is, but you know, he appreciates who I am, you know, a little bit more intense. Uh, you know, people might use the word passionate at times, but uh, it, again, it just works for us. And we've always been that way. We've been arguing with each other about, you know, in staff meetings since I can remember the first one I was in in 2007. And, and but again, that's what makes us good. And Dutch doesn't like, he always says it, he doesn't like a lot of yes men around him. You know, he's never seen a great coaching staff work, which is yes men. You know, he, you know, people need to be challenged. And, he does a great job of challenging all of us to be better. And, you know, I think we do a good job of challenging him to say, wait, we like it this way. Let's do it this way, and here's why. And sometimes he agrees, and sometimes he doesn't. All right, so you guys rattle off 11 straight wins after those Utah State games, which uh, I've, I've done a good job of blocking those out of my memory, Coach. Uh, what changed? Because it's kind of seemed like the season was going one way at one point, and then Matt comes back from the injury, and now it just takes a total 360, and you're going the complete opposite direction. What happened? You know, I really think it was a, a nice wake-up call in terms of how important each possession is. I think it's important to make sure every guy knows what their role is. And, you know, I've never really been a part of a team that was completely almost too unselfish to a fault. And I, I think that's incredibly special to say that. And that's why this team just won the outright, you know, championship for the Mount West is they, they're by nature, they're incredibly selfless. And they're, after that Utah State game, they kind of saw that, hey, sometimes the right play is for you. So you not making the play for yourself is, is not, you're not being selfless. You're not making the right play. Now, it's not selfish because you don't want to shoot, but you have to make the right play. And I think, again, that's just an X and O's thing. But if you're talking about what really changed was confidence. 
hey, we can go do this. We can go do this together. We have to be better. We have to put more pressure on the defense. Defensively, we have to become a better rebounding team. I thought we really slipped in those two Utah State games on the defensive end of the ball and rebounding. And, again, our guys came back. They knew we had some, what you would say, you know, bottom-of-the-league opponents this year that we were about to go up against. Now let's get right for these for these games by not just winning, but by winning and getting there on both ends of the floor. And that's what really changed. I, I, you know, again, you never want those Utah State losses. If, you know, and we always talk about we want to learn through winning. But if you had to say what were the most impactful losses of the season, it was by far the most impactful was the two Utah State losses. Yeah, those were weird games. I mean, when Mitch went down with the injury, I don't personally, and I'll ask you the same thing. I thought it was an ACL almost immediately, just because of the way the knee bent. I don't. Were you freaking out in the moment? Oh, absolutely. We freaked out because they they showed it on the jumbotron right away. So in person, you don't really get a chance to really see that injury. It's like you know, you, but when you sit at home and they're running that thing back and forth, back and forth. Well, on their jumbotron. It played it back, and I, I looked up, and I said a quick prayer, and I, I was so nervous for Matt and, and our team really moving forward because I thought, no, I did. I thought the worst, to be honest, when I first saw it. Yeah, so all three of us, John, Brent, and myself, were back in studio. We all just kind of, at the same exact time, we're like, oh, my God, he's done. I'm so glad he wasn't, though, because he's gone on to have just a hell of a year, man. And, Matt, if you think about it, more than anyone, you and Dutch have had a front-row seat to watch him mature. And, I mean, you kind of see, I was joking with Costa earlier, sort of this chubby freshman. I mean, he was always athletic as heck, but he was chubby. And then he goes through this crazy body transformation and becomes what I have for my money. He's the Mountain West Player of the Year. Talk about him growing up under you and Dutch over these last four years. You know, Matt Matt is is everything that that you talk about when it comes to recruiting and and talk about how you're going to, Think where where his parents left off and, and know that they're going to help them, help you know him through his college career, but we're going to be the ones that are more hands on every single day. And Matt's done an incredible job of riding the roller coaster of being a, a high level you know collegiate athlete. I mean, he's it's not easy. It, it really isn't. And, and Matt had a hard time adjusting after his freshman year and sophomore year. He'd love to have back and. Unfortunately for him, his body got a little bit out of control. He got control of it for his junior season, and he was just fantastic. I mean, for him to to give up of himself after coming off a disappointing sophomore season, to give up of himself to win a big fifth and play with three new teammates, to play with Fagan and Malachi Flynn and Wetzel, for him to give up, and, and he wasn't the only one to sacrifice, as we stay on topic with him, him to give up that role of getting the most shots, getting the most play calls, kind of being number one on everyone's scouting report, to actually having, by far at the time, his best season and finishing a first-team uh, All-Mount West last year. He was phenomenal. He was efficient. He guarded well. He didn't get in as much foul trouble as he did in his first two years. For that year to end and end the way it did, and then for Matt to spend the whole pandemic working on his body, got even better where he left off after junior season, and come in his senior year and be number one on the scouting report and be the leader of the team with Jordan and be this guy that everybody has circled, underlined, exclamation point, how are we going to stop Matt Mitchell? And he's just been phenomenal. I mean, he's to me, he's no-brainer MVP of this league. He's the best player 
on the best team, arguably on both sides of the floor. Matt Mitchell last night guarded Bryce Hamilton, and Hamilton was averaging 19 points a game. He's an MVP consideration, and Matt had a phenomenal job on him. Matt guarded uh, Eric Alston from Boise State the game before, completely shuts him down. So, to me, I mean, Matt Mitchell brings so much worth to winning. And if you want to talk about the most in this, it's Matt Mitchell, and there's no question about it. I agree with you. And you might have another one of those coming up in the pipeline. Now, uh, Lamont Butler, like his last three games have been a little rough for him. I Personally, it kind of looks like the game is going too fast. You might disagree with me, and I'd love to hear that. But the future for Lamont seems so bright because you can see the body. You can see the athleticism. You can see the court vision. He's had a couple of full court passes this year that just blew me away. Uh, future for him, how high is this kid's ceiling? Incredibly high. Incredibly high. It, it's it's because a guy like Lamont Butler, and, and this is where, to me, I think this is the secret to what San Diego State does. He is incredibly wired the right way. When when Lamont has a bad game and he calls his family back at home, he calls his high school coaches, they deliver the same exact message that we're delivering. They're delivering the exact same message his teammates are delivering. So, to me, Lamont is, is not only wired the right way just as a person, but his support around him is incredible. That's going to allow him to just get better and better and better. And being good is never enough. It's time to be great and to be more consistent. And Lamont, to me, has all the tools you need to be an outstanding elite college basketball player. Now, what happens at the next level, we'll see. But if we're just talking about what he's going to be as a college basketball player, I think he's going to be one of those Aztec greats like Shaq and Mitchell are this year as seniors. I think Lamont will get to that level, and he'll get to that level here pretty quickly because he works hard, his basketball is through the roof, his elite is outstanding, he's as confident as any guy we've been around, and he loves the game of basketball. And if you have all those characteristics, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to fail. You know, as you know, he's healthy. It's almost impossible to fail because of how Lamont is as a person and how hard he works and how much he loves the game of basketball. So we're, we're, I mean, we're expecting, just like you, for him to just kind of blossom in our program and, and, and be a leader even moving forward as a sophomore next season. But as a freshman, you know, he's, he's done a lot of really good things. I mean, he's had some outstanding games. And, again, like you said, his past three games have not been that great. However, he still, you know, comes in last night. He gets a turnover. He gets a steal right back. You know, then he just tries to make a play. And, you know, again, a freshman mistake just needs to lay in. He's trying to throw a lob to Keyshawn Johnson. That's no big deal. We can learn from those situations. You know, him missing a wide-open layup last night, no big deal. The ball slipped out of his hands. Things happen. Now, they happen more, you know, as a freshman, and they will for him as a sophomore and junior. But he is a um, – he's going to be outstanding. And, again, just a little bit, little bit out of rhythm right now. Rhythm back time like he's, he's gonna, I look forward to him. Well, yeah, you'd rather be out of rhythm. You'd rather be out of rhythm right now versus in the Mountain West tournament and then in the NCAA tournament. And when you think about it, if Matt and Jordan are leaving this year, oh shoot, Keyshawn and Lamont next year, like you guys are going to yeah. be stacked. <laughs> well, you know, again, it's one of those things. You know, we'll see when that time comes, and we're, we're always recruiting. We're, we're recruiting every day, and we will continue to recruit and find guys that are the right pieces to put around really good players, like you mentioned, even a Keyshawn Johnson, who, again, just a 
unbelievable person. And just like just came from absolutely nothing. Parents worked so hard, just food on the table. Incredible family, incredibly grateful that Kishad's in the position he is. Kishad never lets a day go by without working hard, trying to get better. He listens. He's a yes coach, no coach guy. I mean, he's just a he's as good of a of a person to coach. And, and then and then you say, well, and he's blessed to be six nine, jump through the roof, long arms. I mean, it's 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 like you have this you know this foundation that you can just continue to build and build and build. And we're starting to see it now because he shot is by far playing his most consistent basketball we've seen at San Diego State. He's been outstanding defensively. He's been outstanding rebounding the ball. Last night, knocks down the three, knocks down the free throws. And, again, we're just going to start to take steps forward in this way that Keyshawn's going to be a big-time player for us as we move forward. Coach, I've already kept you too long, but if you have five more minutes, I want to talk about Trey Pulliam because I think I have an apology to make to Trey. Because <laughs> I, 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 I feel like everybody in the media has kind of been a little rough on him without really watching the games. And I went back and I rewatched game two at Boise all the way through. And I think my three most impressive game plays of that game all came from Trey Pulliam. And I know you guys replayed one of them right at the beginning of the film session. It was that freaking rebound. He went and ripped from their big dude. And oh, Trey no. Pulliam has just impressed the hell out of me, especially this season. Is Would you say he's one of your most important players on this team? Yeah, I, I would I argue that he could be the most important, you know, outside of a Matt and Jordan who are just, you know, just – head and shoulders in terms of just what, you know, those two guys can do on night in, night out uh, on both ends. It's just incredible. But Trey is probably the most important guy on our team because every scouting report is, was, I should say, until the Boise game. And he had, you know, first half, he had, you know, I mean, the first game he has 18, but it's, well, let make Pulliam beat you. Don't let, don't get shackled. Right. Threes. Don't give Gomez threes. Don't give Seiko threes. When Matt Mitchell catches it, you know, got to make sure that you double off Trey Pulliam which means Trey's guy's just going to run at Matt and Trey's going to be wide open. You know, if he's in a ball screen with Mensa, everybody stay home, which means don't let those guys get shots off and Trey's going to have to beat us. That's what everybody's scouting reports has been. Well, it isn't anymore. And now you're starting to see our offense really start to click because now you're starting to see everything open up. Now it's pick your poison. No, Pulliam can get to the rim and finish. Pulliam can throw late lobs to Mensa or, or, or Joshua or Keisha. You know, he does so many different things for us offensively. And, again, to have a really good point guard is a huge key to a great, you know, college basketball team, but it's a massive key as you get going in the postseason. And I, I'm so excited that Trey's playing his, most, his best basketball. And the one thing that we've talked about all season, I've told you this, you know, privately and on air, is, you know, Trey Pulliam, his biggest fault is he's always worried about others before himself. It's always how he's been wired. He wasn't even a, a double-digit scorer at, in, in junior college. You know, he was more worried about getting assists and making sure everybody was happy and making sure everybody got a little touch of the basketball. And now he's realized that he can do it, and he believes in himself that he can go out and score, that he can knock down the open three, that he can get to the rim and finish, that he can make his free throws. He's been shooting. He, everyone's always going to remember the free throw he missed against Colorado State. Uh, he made the next 17. He missed the one against Colorado State and went 17 for his next 17. That takes toughness. And that takes mental toughness and it takes confidence. And Trey's found a way to have it all uh, as we move forward in this year. And, again, like I said, might not be our best player, but you can argue he's our most important player. 
I agree. And he is so much fun to watch when you watch him off the ball because he's always moving. He's always looking for the next play. Uh, really impressive season, Coach. Thanks uh, for taking a little bit of time for us here. And good luck in the tournament, man. I Well, both tournaments because you're in the NCAA tournament now. Uh, go kick some ass for us, huh? I appreciate it. We are looking forward to trying to get another banner next week and then head to the NCAA tournament, go to Indianapolis, and let's uh, try to get on a little run that, that we can make up for last year when they took this all away from us. So we're excited. We really appreciate your guys' support throughout the season. Can't wait to get everybody back in Viejas next year. And uh, like always, go Aztecs. Go Aztecs. And I had a great idea for this regular season championship ring. Put a mask on it because last year had the map, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, last year had the map, a huge map. This year gets the COVID mask. Yeah, this one might get a little C-19 on it somewhere. Yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, thanks, Coach. I appreciate you guys. All right, see you guys. Bye. And that was Aztecs assistant coach Dave Velasquez joining the Bam Slam podcast. Bam Slam fam, we love you. Uh, Mike, Allie, and myself. We'll all be back Saturday morning. We'll get a full, complete episode out to you. We love you. Uh, stick around with us, and we'll talk soon. Bam Fam! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.